things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you several times a week, as I always love to do. Uh, anytime you want to check out my podcast, anytime there, any place there are free podcasts, you can check out No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. We're here in my studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Listen, <clears throat> there's a lot that's happened this week in the world of professional sports. But as I often try to highlight and point out, sports is a microcosm of society. So any time you got people out there that are saying, listen, it's, it's what's going on in the real world. We come to sports to get away from that. No, you go to the games to get away from that. But when it comes to sports, the culture of sports, the world of sports, professional, collegiate, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to have to deal with real life issues. This week, it was John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies. And the kind of trouble he got himself in because he showed the world that he had a proclivity for strip clubs. He was at the strip club, half naked, waving a gun around that prompted an investigation by the NBA that ultimately led to an eight game suspension, five games served. So really, he's got three games to go. Along with a meeting with the commissioner to ensure that these kind of transgressions don't necessarily happen again. And for those of you who say what transgressions, here's the transgression. You showed yourself wagging a gun. NBA ain't partial to that. You represent their brand. Doing that compromises their brand. It compromises their brand and compromises their bottom line. As a result, they're going to compromise your bottom line, which is why John Moran has cost himself over $668,000 because of the games that he missed. So let's get that out the way. And if you want to really, really think about life and you want to say, hey, that guess what? Sports, I mean, should be separate and apart from society. Tell that to the 23-year-old young lady, Jamia Harris, if I remember her name correctly, who was shot and killed in Alabama. And two people were charged with capital murder. One of them was a now former player for the Alabama basketball team, which, by the way, finished regular season ranked number one in the nation, is the number one seed in the South. And is projected to be one of the favorites to win the national title. That brother was on that team. 23 years of age. Life over. Over. He says he didn't shoot at somebody else shot her. But it's clear he's the one that got the gun from a teammate's car and brought it to the shooter. If he didn't shoot himself, he's the one that brought the gun to the shooter. And that's why they were both indicted on capital murder charges. Over. That's his life. Over at age 23, one mistake. If he could take back five to 10 minutes of his life, 
he'd be competing in the NCAA tournament for a national title starting today. Sorry. Starting this weekend. So I just want to make sure we all understand what's going on. We want to make sure we all understand that you don't get to just summarily dismiss that sports has everything to do with society. And if you don't believe that point that I'm making, listen to this statement from Commissioner Adam Silver of the National Basketball Association in talking about John Morant following his meeting with John Morant. Quote, John's conduct was irresponsible, reckless, and potentially very dangerous. It also has serious consequences given his enormous following and influence, particularly among young fans who look up to him. Ja has expressed sincere contrition and remorse for his behavior. Ja has also made it clear to me that he has learned from this incident and that he understands his obligations and responsibility to the Memphis Grizzlies and the broader NBA community extend well beyond his play on the court. Do I need to say any more? In case I do, for the ignorant out there amongst you. John Morant has a five-year contract extension that kicks in next season that's going to pay him for five years, potentially in excess of $231 million. $231 million. $230 million. That's what's going on right now. Next season, because the salary is at $12 million right now. $12.1 million, $12.119 million to be exact. That's what John Morant's salary is at now, right now for this season. You know he's getting paid next year? That's $33 million, $33.7 million to be exact. $33.5, I'm sorry, to be exact. That's $408,000 per game. That's what John Morant is scheduled to get paid bare minimum starting next season for the next five years. That doesn't include the Nike contract with the signature deal he's got coming down the pipe. It doesn't include his deal with Powerade. Because, again, it's a relaunch. It was set to debut this month to start off March Madness. Executives say it'll be the biggest marketing blitz in the brand's 36-year history. That was what was scheduled to happen starting today. We don't know when we'll see that now. All because you were in a strip club, half naked, waving a gun, and doing other things we won't repeat. So those kind of things are going on. And then you got folks that will sit up there and be like, what'd he do? What'd he do? Did he break any laws? Like Paul Pierce did last week. You know good and damn well it ain't about breaking any laws. You know good and well it's about the imagery. You know good and well that if this was Commissioner Stern, the former commissioner that Paul Pierce played under when he was starring for the Boston Celtics, John would have been going a minimum of 15 to 20 games. There were some people that thought that David Stern would have suspended him for the year. I don't think it would have been that severe. But he suspended him about 15 games. Because we understand that when you're representing a business, when you're representing a brand, you're not, you're not just beholden to yourself. You're beholden to that brand too, which means the people in your inner circle, whether it's your parents, whether it's your family members like siblings, whether it's your boys, whoever the case may be, they represent you. Years ago, I got into some hot water 
because a player's wife was complaining about an abundance of things and ended up in the news for it. And I said that, wait a minute, you represent him. And people try to turn it into a gender issue, not realizing I'm the same dude that would have said, Bill Clinton, you're representing Hillary Rodham Clinton. She's the one running for president. Your days as president are over. When she was running for election in 2016, you can't find yourself in a compromising situation that could basically derail her aspirations for the White House. It's not about gender. It's about corporate. And we hate corporate. And I don't blame people for hating corporate. I don't blame people for it getting on their last nerves because you got to dot every I and cross every T and you got to watch everything that you say and do. I don't blame people for being annoyed by it. What I blame people for is acting like you get to ignore it or encouraging other people to ignore it when, ignore it when you know they got their hand out for other people's money. When those same people in pursuit of money will capitulate to some degree to make sure they get paid, but you're going to encourage other people not to capitulate. That's phony. It's BS. And I'm one of those people like, nah, don't do that. We all want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. We all want to be our own bosses. We all want to do what Floyd Money Mayweather said he does, and which is why he's truly, truly free. Because he said true freedom is getting up when you want and going to sleep when you want. Without having to worry about anything. He's right about that. But he gets to do it because he's made over a billion dollars in his career as a boxer. The rest of us, it's a different kind of problem. We got to capitulate to some degree. And all I'm saying is, if I know that I got to capitulate to some degree because I work for the mouse or I have my own podcast, but there's advertisers and sponsors like FanDuel and others who support this podcast, and this brand. I can't just ignore what FanDuel needs. I got an obligation to be sensitized to what their desires and needs are too. While they help me out, I got to help them out. Quid pro quo. Stop acting like you don't know. That's what message was sent to John Morant the other day by the commissioner and by the advertisers and sponsors who endorse him or who want him to endorse them. That's what he was told. That's why you saw him up there sitting down with my man Jalen Rose saying, I accept responsibility for my actions. It was wrong what I did and what kind of situation I found myself in. And I just have to apologize to my family, the Memphis Grizzlies organization, the NBA community and fans everywhere. Why do you think he said all of that? Because he knew he had to. I'm not saying he wasn't sincere. I'm just saying he knew he had to. That's how it goes, y'all. That's how it is. Deal with that. And by the way, as an aside, I kind of disagree with Patrick Beverly, but I don't find his point ignorant or anything like that. But when he blamed gangster rap for Morant's situation talking about I think music has a lot to do with this now especially with this culture everybody holding the gun in the video is okay bling on your teeth that's okay pants halfway down you're behind that's okay the culture is now shoot them up bang bang shoot them up bend you over I got this amount of money I'm on private jets that's what the younger generation is Patrick Beverly but he wasn't completely wrong now it might not be applicable specifically to John Morant because John Morant is a young man he's not a child but the point that Patrick Beverly was making 
It's not completely off kilter. Let's be clear about that. If he had committed a crime, they wouldn't sit up there and say, well, you know what? You're, you're young and you're too oblivious to know the consequences of your actions. No, they'd have him behind in jail like Darius Miles from Alabama. That's the difference. But in the end, we've learned our lesson. We all should learn our lessons. Anybody in a position of influence Making gobs of money, you're a celebrity figure. You got to watch the company you keep. You got to watch who you're around. You got to watch it all. You got to watch yourself. Period. That's what comes along with requiring somebody else's money. That was my first necessary take to distribute to y'all. But don't worry. I got more. Stick around. It's no mercy with your boy Stephen A. My man Jalen Rose, who sat down with John ja Moran, he's up next in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Considering what we've been talking about and the kind of things that we've been going through over the last few weeks, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to than my next guest. It's my brother. We're on Countdown Together, NBA Countdown Together. He just broke news, did an outstanding job interviewing Ja Morant just the other day. Right after he came out of the office of the commissioner of the NBA, he got that exclusive interview. I'm talking about the man, the myth himself, former member of the Fab Five, former 13-year veteran in the NBA, the one and only Jalen Rose. What's going on, Big Time? How are you, man? How's what up, though, my brother? How you doing? I see the, the No Mercy trending all over the place, so I'm <laughs> glad to be a part of the show. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Let's get right to it, because I don't want to keep you too long. You talked to John Morant, but more importantly than that, Jalen, I want to know, as a guy that was a former star athlete, that knows the streets, knows what these brothers deal with quite often. How did it hit you when Ja Morant got himself in this kind of situation? What were the kind of thoughts that went through your mind? To be honest, Stephen A., I took it personal. As you know, I got drafted by the Nuggets. So I literally could look myself in the mirror and realize when I was 21, 22, I was not only in his shoes, but I was in that place. Mm. I've been to Shotgun Willie's multiple times, by the way. The strip and club so, where he was. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so for me, I thought about him being a young man who the sky's the limit for his potential on the floor, but how magnetic of a personality he is off the floor and how not only fans and media, but also young people in particular have gravitated to not only his affection, uh, of being a terrific player, but also just him as a person. And so for me, the first thing that went through my mind is he has way too much to lose to be putting himself in that situation. But another thing I saw, Stephen A., to be like really frank with you, I saw a little unhappiness and I saw a little pain mm. because what ends up happening is a lot of times people think when you have fame or you have celebrity or you have money that you're exempt from anxiety you're exempt from being hurt and so for me it was almost a cry for help 
as much as it was a flex with the shirt off and the gun. And so that's how I digested it. And that's why I was really happy I got a chance to interview him. You know, the interesting thing that strikes me is that, uh, like you said, that anxiety, that unhappiness. You know, sometimes, Jalen, I think it's, it's, it's all right to ask where it's coming from because you've had a successful career. Obviously, in this business, I've had a successful career. Um, I was never a star athlete. I tried to play. You played. I tried to play. You played. Okay. <laughs> so, the, But the point that I'm trying to make is that neither one of us was on John ja Morant's level. And Correct. yet we see the vultures. We see the people that are in our lives. And sometimes that unhappiness is projected as coming from somebody like the media or whatever, when in fact, it's really coming from those closest to you. Did you get that impression from John Moran at all? I did. And it's a lot of pressure because when you get drafted, like you're a member of the family, you're a member of the crew. But once you started getting those NBA checks, you're not a leader. These people are not your friends, but your staff. And you're trying to help everybody else's dreams come true with your money because your dream is now happening and you're trying to reward everybody around you. And then there's this keeping it real, keeping it street, keeping it hood. And one of the funniest things that actually is sad that came out of uh, the interview I did with him is so many people immediately jumped to the fact that I asked him whose gun was he carrying. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the crazy thing, and, and you know this extremely well because you pride yourself on being a capitalist, that question is for somebody that works in corporate America. That's right. That's trying to protect his interests so that he could keep his sponsors and save his legacy and his career. Mm-hmm. Th- that that that's what that is about. That's and right. So, <laughs> so let me interrupt. Let me interrupt. That. Let me let me interrupt because let me let me crystallize what you're saying for those that may not understand it. You helped the brother by asking him the question <laughs> because what you was doing him, what you was doing was giving him an opportunity to clarify it wasn't his corporate America. <laughs> it wasn't Correct. his. But instead, you got people clearly from our community. Why you had to even ask him that question, man? Why you had to even go there? That, 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 not seeing the big picture. That's what you're saying, correct? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. And what ends up happening is the NBA, the NFL, they're primarily black. And when we make it to the league, now it's our job to try to uplift ourselves and uplift our family. But sometimes you just can't change the mentality. And so what ends up happening for the player or the celebrity or the entertainer or whatever, you're trying to show that you can be great at your craft, but also I'm still down. I I, I can still, you know, roll like I used to roll, so to speak. And you can't do that anymore. And that was a lesson that not only he learned, but I could tell and speak it to him. He learned that hard lesson. He learned it fast. This may sound crazy to some people, but I think this is the best thing that could have happened to him at this point of his life. I don't think it sounds crazy. I don't think it sounds crazy. He, He nobody got injured. He didn't get arrested. He got an eight-game suspension by the NBA. And from now on, oh, he's going to fly straight. Because mm-hmm. when they take that game away from you and sponsors start pulling away from you and you start seeing how people now start to paint a villain, um, paint you as a villain, then that uh, that's becomes the wake-up call that he needed. And I think that that's making a better person and a better player going forward. 
What were your thoughts about what Patrick Beverly, former Laker, uh, you know, now a Chicago Bull, uh, had to say in terms of he blamed, you know, the culture that we're living in, rap music, the hip hop industry, all of that. He blamed that the kind of music these cats are listening to as 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 playing a role in John Morant finding himself in this particular situation. Folks laughed it off. But if you listen to what Patrick Beverly said, I'm not saying he was completely accurate, but I do know it made sense to some degree. And a lot of people listen to that. And a lot of people might have felt the same way. What are your thoughts? So we are what we consume. Right. So whatever energy, whatever music, whatever movies you download, of course, that becomes a part of your psyche, which then becomes a part of your behavior. And you act on a lot of that stuff. But I don't believe that that's a major factor in how decisions get made, in particular in John Morant's case, because we're surrounded by hip hop now. Stephen A., uh, you from Hollis, Queens, and somebody I met actually today at the airport told me to tell you what's up. They say you should All catch right. the subway or something with you back in the day. <laughs> right. But but um, but what ended up happening is as hip hop turns 50, it's not just the music anymore. It's a lifestyle. It's how we speak. It's how we dress. It's DJing. It's graffiti. And now it's in corporate America. I remember being in locker rooms in the late 80s and we was playing tapes and then getting into college and the only rap music you heard in arenas or gyms was like, whoop, there it is. Yep. Or uh, this is how we do it by Montel Jordan. But now rap music has become mainstream to where companies, billion dollar companies are using it to sell products. And these artists are becoming mainstream superstars in the homes of suburban America. So I can't now blame rap music for the behavior of young people when rap music and hip-hop lifestyle is around us 24-7, 365. Here's also the bottom line. John ja Moran is 23. He ain't three. You can't blame the hip-hop industry on that. You're a grown man. You know better. You know, and 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 and, and folks are quick to tell us they're men, right? So with you, when you're a man, you got responsibility. You got to handle that. I want to get to a bigger issue before I let you get on out of here because you've got your charter school in Detroit. I want you to remind my audience, you know, the name of your school and some of the things that you're trying to do there before I get to my next question. Tell them about your school for a second. Jalen Rose Leadership Academy. We're 12 years in existence. We're open enrollment. We're tuition free. We're public charter. We get zero state funding for our facility. And one of the things that I'm extremely proud of is that basically we coined what's a nine through 16 model, which means we're not only servicing the current 400 plus young people that we have in high school, but also in secondary education. Once they graduate, we have another 600 alums that we also influence. So whether that's community college, four year college, trade school, cosmetology, military, whatever they decide to do, we're still there to give them the resources, give them the support that they need. Because when you and I were growing up, you could you can make six figures right out of high school and your work ethic can a lot of times put you in position to get that job that you want. But right now, right out of high school, these young people need that secondary education and that secondary push. And I feel like in the United States of America, we basically give up on our young people after high school, but the job isn't done. 
when you look at the world of professional sports and professional athletes in this day and age and some of the storylines and some of the things that we're compelled to focus on far too more, far too often than we would prefer. Do you think that that's helping educate and assist in the education and the upliftment of the kind of kids you're helping with the Jalen Rose Academy? Or is it more detrimental than it's ever been? I think, uh, well, well, first and foremost, like being educated is something that I appreciated about being an athlete that people underestimate because you have because you're required to stay eligible while you're in high school. You're required to still um, be able to uh, compete scholastically. I went to college at the University of Michigan. That's considered an Ivy League school of the Midwest in a lot of ways. And I got my college degree. So education for me was always important and it it will always be important for young people. But the the thing I want to drill down on that you asked is that your your education is more than just the grades that you get. It's more than just like the A's, B's and C's. It's the sacrifice. It's the ability to concentrate the discipline that you have in order to invest in yourself in order to put yourself in position. And we're not just teaching the young people, Stephen A., in the classroom. We're teaching them life skills, social skills, etiquette, problem solving, decision making. Life education as well is very important. And so I'm really proud of what our scholars have and will continue to accomplish. But I'll always be a champion for young people being educated. Another thing I want to just make sure I clarify about a charter school when I got into this is that I remember like being a part of all these legislation meetings and stuff like that in a room full of people and people were trying to say that, oh, you're starting a charter school. So you're stealing students from the public school. Like that's game. That's cap. We are a public school. And what I began to learn is that the teachers union is, is one of the number one donors to the democratic party. So therefore in order to be in a charter school, you give up one word, tenure. And what is tenure, everybody? That means that you could teach basically for two or three years and regardless of your outcomes and basically have that job forever. Yeah. But if you teach at a charter school, then you're judged by your achievements your in the classroom and your merit. Mm-hmm. And so people that are in the teachers union don't want uh teachers to now be a part of charter schools because it interrupts their tenure. I got you. Let me get this last question to you, Jalen, going back to, you know, the state of affairs in the world of professional sports, because I appreciate that breakdown. I got to ask you this, and I'm going to end the interview by asking you this question. Are you more enthused or more worried about the state of professional sports and the athletes that that bless us with their skill sets. Are you more enthused or are you more concerned than ever before? Um, six in one hand, a half a dozen in the other. If you wanted to give me a direct answer, I would say concerned because the more money you make, the more profile that you have, that should be the more responsibility. And the number one way you show that you accept that responsibility for me is loyalty. A lot of times when you don't you're not required to stay with the team that drafted you, of course. But what ends up happening is I think players start to make it about them 
before we used to root for our favorite teams and our favorite players. Now people just root for their favorite players because a lot of times that person doesn't feel a sense of loyalty to the city, doesn't feel a sense of loyalty to the team, doesn't sense a sense of loyalty to his to their teammates. And 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 then the other thing, and, and you're gonna you don't you hated the process in Philly. And they still haven't gotten to the conference finals. That's right. They still haven't gotten to the NBA finals. That's right. The Lakers are fighting for a player position. If if any time when LeBron James is out, you need Anthony Davis in the lineup. Damn right. And if he's going to miss a back-to-back game against Houston, that's not just about the game at Houston for the fans that didn't get a chance to see him play. It's showing me and you that how important is it for you to even make the playoffs if you're going to miss a game as a healthy scratch at this point of the career? So now when the collective bargaining happening, and you know this extremely well, my brother, all the owner's going to do is stand on the table and try to fight for guaranteed money. They're going to try try to fight for percentages of how they pay salaries based on the number of games they get played. I'm a Detroiter and a Pistons fan. And so... There was a time when I was going to Pistons games and I realized the first or the second best player on most teams, when they come to Detroit, they're not even playing. Yeah. They, they like saving it for when they get to the garden or saving it when they get to the big stage. So I am worried about that. All right. Jalen Rose, I know you got to go. I got to go, man. Appreciate your time, man. We're going to have a longer conversation down the road, especially about the Jalen Rose Academy, man. I appreciate you, my man. Thanks so much. Love and appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for showing up in Detroit the way you did with our boss, Dave Roberts, for WGPR and the relaunch. The kids are still talking about it. I got a ton of books that I please need you to sign so I can put them Done. in the school library. They're all big fans of yours. Most of them either want to be like you or look up to you. So thank you for being the inspiration. My pleasure. The same with you, my man. Again, congratulations on that job, Moran. You did a great job, man. We'll talk soon. I'll see you soon. All right, bro. You got it. All up. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Thanks again to my man, Jalen Rose, coming on the show. No mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. I really, really appreciate it, taking time out of his busy schedule, not just to talk about Ja Moran, but to talk about the culture that we're living in and how he's concerned and why. Because we should be. The reality of the situation is that power corrupts. Um, Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you have a lot of people who believe that Based on the money that they have, they don't have a concern in the world because their definition of freedom is being able to not have to be concerned about paying their bills. I understand that. But in order to make sure that your bottom line, your dollars aren't compromised, that doesn't mean you don't have to capitulate to some degree. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to capitulate to some degree. I love when Jay-Z sit up there and say, don't ever, ever go with the flow, be the flow. And he does that freestyle rapping. And I get what he's saying. But you know something that Jay-Z left out? He still got to pay Uncle Sam. Remember when Kanye West said that he was a billionaire and they can't touch me? They dropped him the next day. He lost a billion and a half dollars in a day. 
everyone can be touched. Everyone can be touched. The world doesn't allow for a human being to be untouchable. Everyone can be touched. Just something we have to all remember. I want to get to a couple of other necessary takes that I wanted to give before I get on out of here today. And I just want to go down to the list, okay? You know, when I go to the Oscars, first of all, I see all of this stuff about the disappointment on Angela Bassett's face when Jamie Lee Curtis won the Oscar for her small role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Ladies and gentlemen, this ain't the place to come if you're looking for some negativity about Angela Bassett, who is the queen. I mean, my God, to be in her 60s, to look as drop-dead gorgeous and fit, to be the sensational actress, the accomplished actress as she is, to be highly intelligent with the smile, with the seriousness, with the integrity, with the class, and everything in between. I don't know how she was feeling. But if she was disappointed, so what? So what? Was it right for her to expect an Oscar over Jamie Lee Curtis, considering the role that Jamie Lee Curtis played in Everything Everywhere All at Once? Maybe. That's for somebody else to debate. I know one thing I did have a problem with. That singer-songwriter, while I didn't have any problem with Angela Bassett, that singer-songwriter, Tims, T-E-M-S is how she's how they, uh, how they pronounce the name, made a bold-fashioned statement at the 95th Academy Awards, the Oscars in Hollywood last Sunday. Saw that cloud-like dress she had on. I suppose it was nice. But how, how rude. How rude. I mean, it just blocked everything behind her. I mean, she didn't want nobody else to watch the Oscars. You know how rude you got to be to roll up in the Oscars and sit down with that dress knowing that there were people behind you. You blocking about 20 different people from seeing the daggone Oscars. You know how rude you have to be? Just no regard. None. I mean, sometimes I wonder about some of us with the cooth, man. Come on now. Just sheer consideration. Come on. Come on. So that stood out. Sierra, the right, the wife of Russell Wilson for the Denver Broncos, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, at the Vanity Fair after party. Sierra's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Very talented, real good people, the whole bit. Call me whatever you want. I'm a man. My wife is not showing up with a dress like that in public. She's just not. She's not, she's not showing all of that in public like that. She's just not. I'm married. That's not happening. Y'all call me whatever y'all want. Call me whatever you want. My wife's not showing up dressed like that. She's not dressed like the damn. You're going to have more clothes on than that. You're going to have more clothes on than that. I'm just saying, I'm going to leave it at that. Props, by the way, to HBCU grad uh, Hampton University's Ruth Carter. Made history at the Oscars. Came the first black woman to win her second Academy Award for costume design for Black Panther. Kind of forever. Okay. That stood out. And, and, and the other thing I wanted to get into was Chris Rock. Last Laugh. Apparently he has it. Netflix comedy special. 
ranked at number eight with 17.8 million hours viewed. According to Netflix, the special ranked in the top 10 in seven countries. So props to my man, Chris Rock. I want to say this. I want to end this by getting into Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, for the longest time, I've made the statement. I don't think there's a Democrat that would beat Ron DeSantis. Question is, can he beat Trump? Or can he win a Republican nomination if he's threatening to beat Trump and then Trump disbands from the Republican Party, goes the independent route, thereby stealing votes from the Republican nominee, ensuring the Democratic Party will then win re-election. Basically, Trump is holding the Republican Party hostage in that regard. I will tell you this. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, again, I don't see any Democrat beating him if there's no third party and it's just him running against the Democratic nominee. But he is getting flack from both sides of the aisle for saying that the United States helping in Ukraine is not a vital American interest. There's the same Ron DeSantis that has decided it is vital to America's interest to go after Disney, who I work for, because I work for ESPN, who does feel it's vital to, to America's interest to ban books from schools. To go after drag queens, etc. This is that Ron DeSantis. That's what he's doing. And we all know that's what he's doing. Here's my thing. I was reading some article. And I and I pulled it up now because I saw it in the, it's called The Intelligencer. All right. I think it's a part of New York Magazine. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's called The Intelligencer. NewYorkMag.com, that's what popped up. And it says here a couple of things about Ron DeSantis. And Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, who announced her presidency, the same woman that Don Lemon for CNN felt was over the hill, beyond her prime, rather, to be exact, which is patently false, by the way. Should have never said that. Not true. She's not some runway model. She's running for the presidency. She's 51 years old. What are you talking about? But I'm not going to pile on Don Lemon. This is what Nikki Haley said about the whole Ron DeSantis, DeSantis Trump thing, which I thought was important to point out. President Trump is right when he says Governor DeSantis is copying him. First in his style, then on entitlement reform, and now on Ukraine. I have a different style than President Trump, and while I agree with him on most policies, I do not on those. Republicans deserve a choice, not an echo. So what they're implying is, DeSantis essentially trying to imitate, if not flat out steal, Trump's playbook because he doesn't want to lose Trump voters. He wants to give Trump voters an alternative 
see, I'm a lot like Trump, so vote for me. Because my policies would mirror his, except I'm smarter. I'm a more astute politician. Hell, I might be the more decent choice. That's what he's doing. The point is, is when you see the tragedy that's taking place in Ukraine, when you see the fact that they've been invaded by Russia and Vladimir Putin, when you see dead bodies in the streets that they're now chronicling, when you see the aid that they're in need of just to fend off Russia and fight themselves, the little men who could, and by the way, they've been giving Russia hell. When you see all of this and you say it's not vital to the American interest, are most people going to feel that way? When you look at DeSantis, the bottom line is this. He's trying to show you he's a better choice than Trump. That shouldn't be hard to do. If you're an accomplished Republican governor who won elections just months ago by 19% and over a million votes, shouldn't be that difficult. The fact that it appears to be in your eyes not just highlights the still formidability or formidability of Donald Trump. It also shows how desperate you are to curry votes. Knowing how this nation, at least half this nation felt about Trump, knowing that over 80 million people voted, they didn't vote for Joe Biden, they voted against him. Knowing that's the reality and still feeling compelled to mirror and emulate him in most ways shows desperation. And if you're that desperate, it's entirely plausible that America may say, the hell with it, we might as well stick with who we've got. Even if it is Joe Biden, who's going to be 82 years old once the 2024 election rolls around. Just a thought, y'all. Just a thought. I'm signing off. Hope y'all enjoy the weekend. Talk to you in a few days. Until next time, this is Stephen A. No Mercy. Don't forget to subscribe to No Mercy on YouTube. Stephen A. Smith YouTube channel. Check it out. No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Until next time, everybody. Peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.